morning to all of you. It's a great privilege to be here. Brian, thanks for the invite, uh, getting the miners back involved, uh, seeing that 50% uh, seeing that of Transnet's overall business comes from mining and 80% of Transnet Rail Freight's business comes from the mining sector. So I wanted to uh, start off my presentation today uh, on the basis of last week we had President Ramaphosa, His Excellency President Ramaphosa, giving input on how we're going to solve the electricity crisis. And he said, we're going to do a lot of work to get ESCOM stabilized and to fix ESCOM, but we are going to unleash private sector investment in energy in South Africa by getting out of the way, by reducing red tape, by really focusing on what we can do in partnership with the private sector uh, to drive changes on the energy side. And at least for a week, we've had no lead shedding. So I think uh, the private sector's already responded quite well. But I wanted to translate it back into just some thoughts on the rail side. Now, some people are sort of, you know, there's going to be a little bit of fussy cuffs here, etc. Porsche and I actually chat on a weekly basis. We've got lots of issues that we're dealing with, but we don't mind having a robust conversation. Uh, and robust conversations are really good. And as I was saying to Fifi a little bit earlier, uh, Minister Mantashe has renamed me Frank, uh, Frank Baxter, and I've renamed him Candid Mantashe. And I've done, we've done that because there's no point in beating around the bush. Say it as you see it. And, but focus on not only criticism, but actual pragmatic solutions. So don't come to the table and criticize, come to the table and say, right, here's a problem, what do we do to solve it together? Now what I would say, just to start the presentation off, is um, we have been in a process of extensive engagement with government and specifically with Transnet on how we resolve the challenges that in particular certain of the corridors are facing. And I've got to say that we've come to the table in partnership with Transnet on certain of the issues, for example, on security on the coal line, uh, to try and resolve the issues. Now, our view is that pretty much like ESCOM, the mining sector and ESCOM are joined at the hip, and in our view, Transnet and the, mine, and the mining sector are joined at the hip because we can't do without them and they can't do without us. Um, just simply doesn't work. So what can we do together to really help resolve the various challenges that are out there? So a couple of quick uh, items on the mining side. Hashtag making mining matter. The Minerals Council is an organization that has over 300 mining companies. Uh, we have 78 members, but there's also other organizations that are smaller groupings that are members of the Minerals Council. Our members generate more than 95% of mining value and have over 90% of employment in the sector. And we're one of the few sectors working in partnership with government that was actually able to uh, overcome the COVID crisis and you know, keep working. And just to say to you, uh, the success that we've had was not only through a significant value effect from our export earnings last year. I must say that Minister Guadangwana, every time he sees me, he has a big smile on his face because the mining sector, basically out of the 120 billion extra corporate taxes that were received, the mining sector contributed over 90 billion extra uh, in the last fiscal year, just to highlight uh, the contribution. But that was because we had a partnership on managing COVID, getting back to work, keeping the economy going. And we were one of the, um, one of the few sectors in the economy that actually grew employment. We now have 460,000 people uh, in the economy. And that excludes all the multipliers. And the multipliers include uh, Transnet's 50,000 people uh, who wouldn't have jobs if the mining sector uh, wasn't supporting it at, at the same time. And I think uh, one of the critical things to say is that our 
helping to bail out the fiscus. You can look at the revenue numbers even during this fiscal year. Mining continues to be one of the sectors uh, contributing, even though we've had a slight fall off in commodity prices in dollar terms, in rand terms, we've actually had, um, obviously, the, with the rand weakening, uh, it's also um, provided some interesting inputs. Um, so the Treasury have um, their revenue uh, running at a faster pace. So just to highlight a couple of quick comments, uh, our total value of mining production last year exceeded one trillion for the first time. Um, I've given a quick input on some of the income tax related issues that we've also contributed. Um, we exported over 842 billion rands worth of exports. Um, one of the real reasons why South Africa was running uh, a trade surplus for pretty much a significant portion of last year um, due to mining. On the mining side, if you look at uh, the different components, the sector has diversified considerably. It used to be very dominated by the gold mining side back in the 70s when mining was 22% of GDP and gold mining alone was 15%. Today, there's a much broader spread with coal being very big still and will remain a big component of South Africa's energy mix into the future. Uh, but as other technologies come in and other, uh, as we invest in uh, the renewable energy sector, we'll see that change to become a smaller share over time. But still a very crucial export component from our side. So these are just the uh, different uh, economic components of the sector. Uh, and you can see all the various material inputs, 545 billion rands worth of uh, intermediate inputs. Um, uh, created a whole bunch of value added. Uh, we exported 712. That excludes uh, the other semi-fabricated products that we also export from the country. Uh, but overall, a very big export contribution, very big tax contribution, very big employment contribution. And about 1.3 million people are directly or indirectly employed as a result of the mining sector including those 50,000 people in Transnet. There are some worrying trends, though. We are still not back to production levels in mining that we saw in the early 2000s. Um, we took a heck of a dip. It was 11% decline in 2020, in the first, uh, sorry, yeah, it was 2020. 2021, we saw a little bit of recovery, but not in our export volumes. And um, uh, so we've had a, a pricing effect more than a, more than a volume effect, which has been one of our challenges. From Transnet's side, you can see the different components. Coal is, is, is the biggest, um, and then we've got a series of other commodity, commodity groupings that are uh, critical on Transnet's, from a Transnet client perspective. But um, we're not realizing our full potential from a mining uh, perspective, and I'll get into some of the numbers in a moment. Uh, again, it's, it's not something that we're criticizing everyone. We're looking at saying, there is an opportunity cost that we are facing here as miners and as the country. What can we do uh, to change the game going forward? And so here we've got the blue line representing the revenue side uh, and obviously the brownish, um, yellowish line representing the tonnages, uh, whatever color you can see. Maybe I'm a bit colorblind today. Um, I'm going to skip this particular slide because I think our economist made a mistake in it, but I wanted to quickly concentrate on this slide for a moment. So last year, uh, if we look at export performance uh, of the various uh, uh, railway line systems servicing the mining sector, uh, we saw about 35 billion rand opportunity cost. That was lost revenue as a result of the, in, uh, of the difference between actual performance versus targeted performance. So the gap is 35 billion. Um, the coal industry it was about 16 billion. 
Um, and uh, you know, historically, we've exported uh, about 20 million tons a year, more than we're exporting at the moment. Uh, and that's obviously a very big concern, particularly when you're talking about current pricing, which is sitting at about 2,200 rand per ton um, at current prices. What's interesting on the coal side is that if we were able to go back to nameplate capacity, so 78, billion, 78 million tons, sorry, the billions and the millions, uh, 78 million tons of export capacity on the line, which can obviously be handled quite easily by the Richards Bay Coal Terminal, which is a privately operated port, one of the most efficient deep water export terminals in the world. Um, we, would have export, we would export in 2020 on current pricing another 63 billion rand of which 12.5 billion would go to Treasury. That's why the Minister of Finance, uh, every time he sees me, he says, Roger, what are we doing working together to solve the issues on rail? Um, uh, and ports, obviously, ports do come into the equation. So that's on coal. So just think about that, 63 billion that this year that we could export more if we were operating at nameplate capacity versus actual. But again, the, the focal point must be about restoring current uh, performance back to targets and getting ourselves back as quickly as possible in the next five to 10 years back to nameplate capacity if we can. On the iron ore side, we had 17 billion in lost export earnings. Uh, this year we're looking at um, the performance seems to be about the 54 million ton level. As Porsche said in her earlier comments, uh, the actual nameplate capacity in target is normally 60 million tons. Um, and my, my particular take on that, that would add another 20 at current prices of about 1,900 rand per ton on the iron ore side. If we were exporting that extra um, 6 uh, million tons, you'd be looking at something like 20, I think it's 23, 24 billion. Um, if you could get it up to the 67 million tons, uh, 67 million tons being the incremental increase that you could achieve without spending a huge amount of capex, you know, the sort of modular stuff that you would have to do to take it up to 90 million tons. Um, but there are some constraints that can be resolved over time, and those constraints obviously relate to air emission standards, etc. But government needs to come to the party, pretty much like they've done on the energy side. Um, I did, uh, in one of my conversations with President Ramaphosa earlier this year, I asked him, President, how is it possible that it takes 18 months to get a environmental authorization for a solar project on a mining company's land. Now, I'm just making this comment as a generalized comment. Um, uh, let's hope that we can get our respective municipalities and others who are involved in the air quality licensing related issues to also come to the party on what we can do at, at the Port of Saldana. Um, so on the iron ore side, again, opportunity cost. If you take coal and iron ore as two commodities, you're probably looking at something like 80 billion extra that we could have exported this year, of which 20 billion would have gone to the fiscus in extra tax revenue. So uh, the comment to make is, um, let's not sit and, and, and throw stones uh, at each other on the issues. What do we do to try and resolve the particular challenges? I think just to highlight a couple of the other important commodities, they're not as big in the grand scheme of things, but they're certainly growing. Manganese has experienced significant growth. They're not that far off target. The big issue is obviously um, longer term contracts on the, on the manganese side, and then obviously uh, the RFP around uh, the new manganese terminal uh, and how quickly that will be settled in and bedded down uh, to get that sort of process going. Certainly on Porsche's side, she made the comment a little earlier about we need to add value domestically. Um, and just to highlight that in the domestic economy, just to say to everyone here, 90% of our 
iron ore, sorry, of our um, cement, 80% of our steel, 50% uh, of our chemical feedstocks, plastics, polymers, fertilizers, 30% of our liquid fuels are manufactured in South Africa from locally mined minerals. So it's not that we're not uh, adding value where the commercial opportunities exist, but where we can do more and where government come to the party with us on really incentivizing uh, our ability to do that, let's do it. Let's get in and uh, focus on expanding our downstream value addition opportunities. But I would add a, a corollary point, which is look at the upstream side. We have in Kuruleni, basically where we are now, uh, Kemp, the Kempton Park area, it's basically a mining supplier park. Uh, most of its growth has been external, not internal, um, because South Africa's mining sector just hasn't been growing. Uh, and, um, but again, the upstream sectors also play such a critical role, including into the supply, uh, into Transnet itself. So let's get into a couple of, a couple of solutions. On the, uh, on the Chrome side, um, the sector lost three billion uh, and was putting a lot more product on road. We estimate that if we could get uh, the Chrome side um, from its current level of about 30 to 40% on rail to 60 to 70% on rail, we would save Transnet, um, sorry, we would add 2 billion Rand to Transnet, Transnet's revenue and they would save us 1 billion in cost, just to highlight on the Chrome side. So, uh, you know, when you look at that from an objective point of view of lowering the cost of transport, you know, that's one way to do it and it's in uh, Transnet's uh, business interest as well as in our business interest to do the same thing. And then we've got a few other challenges, obviously, at the port of Riches Bay, the bulk handling terminals, there's been a few challenges there but I'm going to get into the solutions. We have seen um, other competing countries getting extra share of our commodity exports. Maputo and Mozambique have been very open uh, to engaging on, the, um, on extra product going through uh, Mozambique. And it's good to have some competition taking place, but unfortunately a lot of this is going on road, which has its own set of challenges. So we are spending a lot of our executive time with our... Uh, members involved in a set of uh, corridor committees uh, working with the Transnet group per corridor. Um, lots of robust conversation. You can have robust conversation, but they've got to be focused on solutions. Um, and we've seen um, on a regular basis at last week's uh, Minerals Council board meeting, we not only had the CEO of um, ESCOM uh, actually in the meeting, but we also had uh, Porsche Derby and uh, Cesar Kelly, the CEO uh, of Transnet Rail Freight in the meeting also engaging on the, on the critical issues um, as well as a presentation from the Energy Council but I'll, uh, without saying too much on that. Uh, so there's lots of ongoing meetings that are taking place. There are lots of solutions that have been put on the table. We are addressing a lot of the solutions in the commodity specific corridors. It doesn't mean that you're not going to get um, a degree of criticism, particularly when shareholders are saying, you know, so why haven't you produced another five billion in, 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 in attributable revenue because of Transnet, you know, there obviously is a fair amount of um, engagement that takes place in the media, but there's a lot of engagement and constructive engagement that's taking place uh, behind the doors with the Transnet team on the various issues. Um, and I've got to say those, those discussions have been actually remarkably frank, excuse the pun, uh, as well as uh, focused on solutions, what we can do in partnership. Whether we've actually fully had a meeting of minds per corridor, what we do in each corridor, uh, is a slightly different issue. Um, but at this particular stage, our focal point on the Minerals Council side, representing all our members and working with our member CEOs in each of these commodity corridors, is to try and get back to target. Our focus is back to target. We've got to get back to target this year, and then we've got to start looking at how we get back to growth 
uh, as we go in the next uh, two to five years. So I'm sure Andrew is going to present a few ideas there on growth. Um, I don't see um, an 80 million, 8, 81 million ton uh, on coal being a 10-year story. The Indians are going to get their coal from us or from someone else. Uh, and whether we utilize it from a uh, strategic country level opportunity, uh, that's a conversation that we need to have on the coal side as an example. But I think again, if you look at the synergies that can be realized with the expertise that we bring to the table, uh, I think that there's um, a lot that we can do together and are doing together, and I'll demonstrate that in a moment. We've also been working with our uh, Business Unity South Africa and Business Leadership South Africa colleagues and all the various constraints, and there's also been significant conversations with uh, uh, ministers Gordon, uh, Gorongwana, and others. And for example, in conjunction with the Transnet team, in December we met with um, ministers of finance and public enterprises, and we had other discussions with a couple of the other ministers on what we could do, or what government could do, to significantly shorten the procurement type, uh, timelines related to critically needed spares, uh, which were at a particular point sitting at 18 months, which is completely bizarre. Um, and then having other challenges, for example, uh, local, 100% local content requirements on um, on track when in fact there's no local track manufactured in South Africa. So it's quite an interesting um, uh, story where government have also come to the party and I think uh, Porsche was uh, saying that in March of this year they started to see some of those exemptions coming through to enable them to get and access more critically needed spares. Um, on the uh, coal line, the coal linked line as we call it, the companies are actually spending 20 million rand a month on uh, private security, complementing the effort that's taking place with Transnet, using drone technology. Um, we are working with the South African Police Services. I've been involved in a series of meetings with uh, the police commissioner uh, and a number of other senior people in the security establishment of how we resolve the various issues. And uh, I can report today that there actually has been some positive progress. The number of Security incidents on the coal-linked line has halved in the last few months uh, as a result of this collaborative partnership. So we are making progress. Unfortunately, uh, the criminals um, seem to, when you dampen it down in one area, it seems to pop up somewhere else. So again, you're finding that it's popping up in the mining, mining space again. And by the way, we are spending, as the sector, something like two and a half billion rand a year on security as the mining sector. So it is a big issue that we are dealing with at a country level as well as at a mining sector level. We've got some um, ongoing work being done in the uh, chrome and manganese corridors. And again, it's an ongoing engagement process. Um, and I think the idea is really to restore back to targeted program, targeted um, uh, volumes this year, uh, which we obviously are unlikely to achieve in the remaining uh, five months of the year. But um, again, there's a lot of good engagement. And uh, I've got to say, it's been really positive to see some of the people in the various lines who are heading up those particular lines as well as Transnet port terminals and others engaging us um, and giving the, the facts as they see it, uh, we're giving them the facts as we see it, and then trying to find out a way of how we can resolve it. And I'm not saying that we're yet at Nirvana in terms of, of real solutions on each of the issues. Um, you know, that's a, uh, the focal point really has to be about just restoring performance. In the longer term, though, um, we, uh, and sorry, by the way, we've also um, offered, um, and there has been a number of companies involved in helping Transnet on various issues, pretty much like we did with, um, with ESCOM, uh, in terms of engineering expertise, helping with, um, when there is a, a particular derailment that takes place, uh, can we help with additional equipment, um, you know, uh, replacing a bridge that was damaged, uh, I think it was last year, done in record time in collaborative partnership between the sector and, and Transnet. 
and then working on, on how we can reduce bottlenecks um, uh, and work together on the 10-day uh, shutdowns uh, to maximize the benefit of those shutdowns. So um, in the more medium and longer term, I mean, obviously, the presentation I've given you today is much more focused about what we do now to resolve some of the current challenges. And I think uh, uh, on security, on what we do around loco availability, what we do around wagon availability, what we do around the maintenance programs, what we do around preventing derailments, uh, what we do around scheduling, all of those are topics of conversation that have taken place with, this, uh, with the senior executive leadership team at Transnet uh, in each of the corridors where possible. And in some areas, some of the executives are frustrated by slow progress. In other areas, we are seeing uh, some good progress. So, but in the medium to longer term, obviously, the idea around the learning from other countries. Um, I was interested in Porsche's comments around um, the German model and many other countries. Uh, my view, and it's not a specifically mandated view from the Minerals Council side, but my view is you cannot have a 100% owned state-owned company where the shareholder injects no money into the company. I'm sorry, it's just, uh, you cannot run a logistical system on the basis of just purely uh, having private access to capital markets. You actually need to have the state playing a role. And uh, if the government wants to own the fixed capital stock of the economy, and the government does own 43% of South Africa's current fixed capital stock, but only accounts for about 20 to 25% of net investment in the economy, you can understand why we are a low growth economy. So uh, either allow a much greater degree of private sector investment through, through properly designed private-public partnerships, which we think will apply to should apply to rail. And we've got some good examples where they do apply to ports, the Riches Bay Coal Terminal, for example. Um, and it's not saying that we can do things better, it's saying that in partnership we can do things better in uh, private-public partnerships that could really work well on some of the bulk lines, etc. But if you look at on the on the energy space, it's unlocking, you know, the private sector's ability to invest. Uh, but government also needing to play its role. You would have seen the comments by the Minister of Finance yesterday saying that uh, uh, the government also needs to look at uh, how it can help ESCOM on maintenance and also sorting out ESCOM's debt challenge, which uh, the President announced last, last Monday. So in conclusion, from our side, um, it has been a challenging couple of years. We, we're not anywhere close to where we need to be. There has been a deterioration in the Transnet performance. I think the Transnet team have really done a lot of work to put the handbrake on um, to slow down that rate of decline. There's a lot more work that needs to be done, but it's not, uh, Transnet cannot solve it by itself. The mining sector cannot solve it by itself. Government cannot solve the issue uh, by itself. It's got to be a much more collaborative partnership in our view uh, to resolve the issues. And uh, my, last, my last comment is just to make this. Um, when we talk about opportunity cost to a country, we did some rough numbers just looking at the four major bulk commodities that we our members export around the world. Um, our iron ore is uh, a premium product traded on global markets. And, you know, for example, the Chinese blast furnaces like our iron ore. In fact, blast furnaces all around the world like South African iron ore. It's got a particular set of characteristics, durability characteristics, which improve the furnace process. So we have a premium product that we can export to the rest of the world and we should be maximizing what we do to get it to the rest of the world from a country level perspective. On the coal side, we have a 91 million ton nameplate capacity at Richards Bay, a 78 million ton nameplate capacity on the coal link line. We currently have an export performance of about 50 million tons. The delta is just too big. So when you put all these things together, if we could optimize in each of the areas, including through in the medium term, uh, real workable 
public-private partnerships. And when I say a private-public partnership, I'm not talking about the private sector providing the funds and the public sector making the decisions. I'm talking about uh, private-public partnerships where there are real partners working together, uh, co-designing, co-sharing how we get the solutions. And in our view, that will really change South Africa's landscape uh, in the three to five-year future that we're looking at. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much.